Well, we are super excited that today we have the opportunity to hear about World Relief and how they're working in our community, particularly with folks on the margins. World Relief has been a partner of ours for several years. They have an office in our building and we've done a number of projects with them. So today we're gonna spend some time hearing about their work and how we can get involved. But before we get to any of that, we have a quick video to introduce them in case you're not familiar with World Relief. are grateful to have with us today World Relief Seattle's Executive Director Chitra Hanstad. Welcome Chitra. Thank you so much Ben for having me. I love being with your congregation. This is absolutely one of my favorite partners, Urban Grace. Well we so appreciate your presence and really the work that you do. I personally deeply admire Chitra, uh, not only for the fantastic work she's done at World Relief and how she's led the organization, but really her philosophy of leadership, her theology, and how she centers the most vulnerable in all of her work. So I thought we would actually just start there. At World Relief, y'all talk about this as a Jesus kind of justice. So Chitra, do you want to share a little bit about what that means to you and where you see this in World Relief's work. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much again for having me. To Jesus, justice wasn't a noun, it was a verb. It's something that we do, it's something that we live every day. It's not a petition we sign or a stance we take, but it's the way that we absolutely live our lives. 
I can tell you guys a little bit more about what that means to me. Please do. I would love that. Justice as a verb connects too with the way that last week we were talking about faith, not as a set of intellectual ideas or things that we are certain about, but a way of being in the world and a way of loving that orients us with kindness, compassion, and justice to all of society and creation. So I'd love to hear more in that. Yeah. So the scripture that we read today from Philippians talks about Jesus leaving everything in heaven and coming down to this earth. And for Jesus, he relinquished his privilege. And of course, as God of the universe, he was the most privileged. And he abdicated all of that power in order to come down and be a human being. And the way that he conducted himself even here on the earth is he shared his power Um, So he was all about relinquishing privilege and sharing his power. The other thing that Jesus did was he centered those on the margins and he uh, found them. He saw them like in the story of the Passover. He told the disciples, go find the guy that's carrying the water jug. Well, people that carry the water jug back in those days, even now in India, are the servants. They're the ones that go fetch water. And Jesus took that man, like he saw that servant and centered him in the story of the Passover. He always saw those on the margins. But even though he centered the people on the margins, he also took time to see the privileged. I think Jesus understood, and this is a hard one for me, (laughs) that he understood that change can't happen without the powerful. And when the powerful are confronted the way that Jesus confronted them with love and compassion, as you said. They um, are made aware just by his presence, the way he lived his life on what they needed to give up and how to share their power. And then the, the final thing that I think about with a Jesus kind of social justice is proximity. Jesus could have done everything he did from up in heaven, but he wanted to be close to us and One of the things that we talk about at World Relief is if we're gonna serve people on the margins, we need to understand that suffering. Brian Stevenson, who's one of my heroes, um, modern day heroes, talks a lot about being proximate to suffering and proximate to those on the margins. And I think that's really, really important. In my own life, you know, my husband and I, we're living up in Sandpoint um, by the university. We started attending an African-American church 30 years ago, and we were asked to be the youth group leaders. We would drive in, drive out on Sundays, and the Lord really convicted us about that. It's like, if you want to see what the rhythms are of the people that you want to serve, you need to be with them. So we bought a house kind of right on the bus lines. We moved in and, um, because of that, like we were able to open our home, you know, every Monday night we had dinner with them. And those dinners 30 years later still continue every single Monday. And now those kids have kids, you know, and so fun because we're like grandparents now to those kids. So that kind of um, being in relationship and being proximate to um, gives you a whole other appreciation for where people are. Now, I'll never be truly a part of the community because I can leave at any time, right? Um, But being there like all these years gives me a much better idea of of, um, 
the challenges people face and addressing those, yeah. Also, uh, that kind of relationship gives accountability that we need, particularly when we're working and serving with folks so that we don't just show up yeah, and absolutely. say, absolutely. oh, here's the thing I'm going to do, divorced from the actual relationship that would, would keep us accountable to that yeah. community, that yeah. we are treating everyone with dignity and respect. And yeah, yeah. well, do you want to, I'd love to hear some more kind of specifics about, um, like what, like how things are going in your work at World Relief, stories you're hearing from the community during the pandemic, how it's impacted your work, just sort of a, a little bit more of how things are going. So the first thing that we noticed is um, we had several months of zero arrivals. So because of the pandemic, so refugees weren't allowed to travel and um, we weren't seeing anybody coming in. But many of the folks that we serve, their first jobs that we get them are in the hospitality and travel industry. And as we all know, those were the hardest hit by the pandemic. So, you know, we've been in the community for 40 years, have resettled over 40,000 refugees in that time. So you can imagine how many people started calling us <laughs> to um, get either reemployed or help with the unemployment system, navigating that. So just last year, we helped uh, almost 100 people navigate the unemployment system and another 209, I think, last count, that we helped them get reemployed, find another job. We also had people come to us with food insecurity. So people were coming to us saying, we, we don't even have money to get food. And if we spend money on groceries, we won't be able to pay our rent. So we quickly mobilized with Northwest Harvest. We served over 20,000 families with a week's worth of food. But the things that we were able to do were not just groceries. Uh, we found out that the big ticket items they wanted were like, um, infant formula, diapers, feminine hygiene needs. What are the crazy stories? Like, I don't know if you guys have watched Bridgerton. Probably I shouldn't be talking about that on a Sunday morning. But a few folks on staff may have met, seen it. We, there's a, like an outside chance it may have even come up may. in a staff meeting or two. Who knows? <laughs> We may, we may have watched that. Yeah. It's, just, it's a testament to how creative our God is because the woman that wrote Bridgerton is a local, is, is a Seattleite, and just happened to be my next door neighbor last in, in our last home that we lived at. So we, we called her and said, she's got a huge fan base and said, we need feminine hygiene products. We need infant formula and diapers. And it was like the floodgates open. She posted it on her Instagram and we had so much of those. We had diapers in every size and um, we were able to serve so many families with those things. And that, that really was the difference between them being housed and being homeless. Last time we talked, you also shared with me about helping connect businesses with government grants and loans who might not know about them, or there may be communication or language barriers. You want to share just a little bit about that? Because last time we talked, you were fired up about that. I was so fired up. I still am. So that's for immigrant-owned businesses. We heard about a grant that came open through the city of Kent. We called them up, said, what are you doing to reach the immigrant businesses? Radio silence. So we said, give us a little bit of money and we'll go out and do outreach. Over the course of that weekend, the other thing was the grant opened on a Friday, closed eight days later on a Monday. Wow. And it was all in English, five pages. 
So we went into, walked into 96 businesses that weekend um, and we called about as many and got our volunteers who's trained up. We connected them, them to the business owner by phone. The business owner would tell their story and the English speaker would type in everything into the grant portal. We had 54 businesses apply for the grant. All 54 got funded. So we were able to get $350,000 into the hands of immigrant business owners. Do you want to share a little bit about some of the things that are exciting for you this coming year? So many things. I told you a little bit about existing businesses, the things that we're going to provide for existing businesses, but we're also going to be starting a entrepreneurship academy just for immigrants. And we hope to, fingers crossed, open a community kitchen, which will be both a commercial and a teaching kitchen. It'll be the only one of its kind in South King County. So we're really excited about that because we can start micro businesses. Um, we can get communities together across, you know, racial and ethnic groups over food. Because remember what I said, when Jesus was here, he always broke bread. And when you're eating with someone, it's hard to like be mad at them, you know, or <laughs> grumpy with them. So we're hoping to use that space um, as a peace building kind of space, a safe space. So really excited about that. I mean, we've run through a bunch of the really cool stuff that you have been doing and that you will be doing. Are there some ways that Urban Grace can, folks from Urban Grace can get more involved or volunteer that you'd like to share about? Well, yours, I love this church, like I said at the beginning, because so many of your folks are already involved. The work at the detention center here in Tacoma, for people that are getting let out, we give them food and clothing and um, any kind of assistance they need. So we have volunteers from here that do that, as well as host people in their homes. We have several people from your church that open their home to host um, detainees that have been let out. So that's those are two great ways to get involved. Awesome, great. Well, we're gonna actually switch over to Sheila here because Sheila's gonna share about a couple of particular opportunities to get involved and volunteer. So let's welcome Sheila. Yeah, oh my goodness, Chitra. It is so wonderful to hear all that you shared and I am super excited that we get to partner with you that we already are and that we have future plans to do it. One of the ways, one of the things that we've already worked out is a garden work day, uh, two actually garden work days, one in May and one in June. Would you mind sharing just a little bit about what those gardens are about though? Who, 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 are, who do those feed and who's yes. taking care of them? Oh, I'm so excited about our community. Um, garden because we have over uh, 50 families that farm with us and they're from 22 different countries and when you come you'll see their flag each person's flag in their in their plot it was an acre of parking lot that we depaved to make into a community garden that feeds people that'll give them food that they're familiar with from back home so now it is the largest um example of green stormwater infrastructure in the entire county. We got the Green Globe Award from Dow Constantine. Just the rain gardens alone, like they drain all this polluted water um, that goes into the Duwamish and affects salmon directly. So as you walk through the garden, you're gonna get an education about how stormwater affects 
salmon, you know? So it's such a cool space and we have environmental interns. And so we're training up refugee youth as interns. And we were, I think we're on our fifth cohort. All those kids have gone on to college and two are studying environmental science at UW. So we're hoping to raise up leaders in that movement. Oh. That is so exciting. And we will look forward to seeing that in person and, uh, like I say, rolling up our sleeves and working with you. And the information about those um, dates and times and the way to sign up to get involved will be on our Facebook page and on our website. Great. And bring the kids because I worked with a tiny 18-month-old to move stones in there and it was the cutest thing ever. Uh, the other thing we've lined up is a really exciting way to help with what I have heard is a predicted like open the floodgates to a bunch of newly arriving refugees. One of the biggest needs that you have is bedding. So sheets, blankets, pillows, and yes. the like. So we are, are gonna rally together and be part of the team that stocks your warehouse. Do you wanna say a little bit more about what you're expecting, who you're expecting? So the Biden administration has promised that in their first full fiscal year in office, that they will allow 125,000 refugees into the country. Just for context, um, the refugee ceiling that President Trump set in his last year was 15,000. So we'll be going from 15,000 to 125,000. So if we actually get to that 125,000, our office, in Kent will receive what we're predicting is 2,000 refugees, right. which is a lot because right now in this fiscal year, we're only at 82. Um, so I'm really excited that we're gonna have that many people coming and we're gonna need those blankets and sheets and pillows. So thank you so much, Urban Grace, for, um, for taking up that. Great, well, we're excited to do that. And I just wanna add, that in my role as congregational care here, one of the most important um, <clears throat> aspects of my job is what I think of as spiritual formation. Mm -hmm. And I feel that what we do to um, partner with you, it is formational. It, it informs our um, relationship with God and our relationship with one another and our relationship with ourselves in a really important way. So thank you for giving us this uh, really just beautiful opportunity to um, continue the work that God's doing in us and in the world. Absolutely. So we finished our time with Chitra by expressing our gratitude for her time with us, as well as her work and all of World Relief's work. And she shared appreciation for our congregation before Sheila closed us in prayer. But the audio was really bad. So we're just going to end here with a huge thank you to World Relief. And now let's take the next few moments of reflection time to pray for all the, those who are forced to flee their homes and for our host nations, that we would welcome them with open arms. <laughs> 